Hey everyone, welcome back to another week of the Come to Him podcast. If you watched last week's, then you're getting one a little bit early. It's like, man, you only had to wait yeah, like, like four two, days. Two for one deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, last week we said uh, we put it out a little bit late, but this week we're coming to you on time. Uh, you know, I thought about this quote one time. What? Uh, I Seriously, I made this up one time where we were driving somewhere and Ariel's always late. And I can't believe I came up with this. It was really good. I told Ariel, I said, Ariel, it's better. It's better to be late than to not show up at all. Better late than never. And you thought you came up with that. I know I did. We were in, well, her, we were in her equinox. I said, Ariel, it's better late than never. You know what they always say, like, whenever you think you've come up with something, there's mm-hmm. probably somebody who has said something like that or, or did something like not that before. One. You think that's unique? I've been hanging out with you way too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that well that is true. Uh which goes okay, I I I said something pretty similar to my wife this morning, not about uh, not about uh better late than never, but I said something to her uh that I had told her like a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> she said, "Don't you know that you told me that like a couple months ago?" And I said, "Well, honey, life is long." And there are only so many words. So you're bound to get those words in the same order at some point again in your life. Did she just stare at you? <laughs> she just, I'm sure she just thought I was ridiculous. <laughs> but if you think about think about that, life is long. There are only a certain amount of words. So you're bound to put them together in the same order again. Bound to. I mean, it's, it's going to happen. Yeah. And, you know, the likelihood of you repeating yourself and just happen, you just happen to get those words in the same order again. It's just a fluke. It's just You know what's weird? So... <laughs> If uh, if older people tell you the same thing over and over again, like the same stories, mm-hmm. you kind of enjoy it, right? Mm-hmm. But like, if you were to tell me, if you were to come to my office and say the same thing to me every day, it'd get on my nerves. Yeah, that's true. My grandfather, <laughs> he tells the same stories over and over, and every mm-hmm. now and then he'll be in a story and he goes, "I told you this one." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I usually lie, and I'm like, "No, I never heard this one." <laughs> well, so yeah, it was kind of a thing. So every year, um, my family we go to the Sweet Sixteen high school basketball mm-hmm. tournament at Rupp Arena, and um, it kind of became a thing that uh, every year, like my granddad would take us, and every year at some point there would be like two or three conversations that we knew would happen every <laughs> year. And it wasn't like it wasn't like we would forget mm-hmm. that we had had those conversations, or he would forget. Uh, it was more like same setting, and it would bring up the subject again, and we knew that we were going to have certain conversations mm-hmm. every year, and so, yeah, that, and, that was me, fun, actually. Me and my friends, and we're not even old, but uh, we obviously, we live far away now, and a couple other of my friends in our friend group, and we were all, we've all been friends since high school, and our wives make fun of us, because every time we get together, they could tell you the things we're going to talk about, because we talk about the same people, yeah. and we tell the same stories, and uh, and they literally, they laugh and make fun of us, because we just do, we get around, and literally, we'll spend two hours telling the same stories that we well, tell that's, over and over. I think, like, if you're around people from high school, or from college, or whatever, it's kind of funny, because you can't talk about what's going on now. You always are like, remember when we did yeah, this? or yeah. And you always just reminisce on old stuff and talk about the same old stuff you used to and nothing – I mean, you do some, but you don't really catch up a whole lot. It's all reminiscing. So can I tell you something really nerdy? I guess. We uh, <laughs> Isn't that about 90% of what <laughs> yeah, you tell me? So. No, you tell me the nerdy <laughs> stuff. Um, so we have a, a group friend chat or a text chat, all right? And every year during March Madness – we fill up. We we 
assign inside jokes to certain teams, and we see who wins. And whoever wins, that's what we name our group text. But it's always inside jokes. And so, like, we come up with the best inside jokes from high school and college, and we then assign them to teams, and whoever wins the national championship, that's what our – so you That's have to come track. up at the beginning with 64 yep. inside jokes? Yep, and we do. We all text each other and say, hey, what jokes do you want to put in? And they're usually the same. Every now and then we'll add one. But this year, since it got canceled, I wish I could show you. You probably can't see my phone. It's uh, Coronavirus. That's our uh, that's our group chat name because okay. it got canceled. Yeah, that's, that's but, a good one. Uh, there's there have been some really interesting names, and some of them I like. My wife would seem like, who are you texting? <laughs> I saw, <laughs> I saw uh, that. Right now, like babies being born in the last couple of months, Corona is a popular name right You're now. I lying. promise. I promise that Corona is becoming a popular name for, I guess, a girl's name. That's ridiculous. Um, I guess for people who want like that meaning behind the name or whatever. But anyway, uh, I'm thankful that so we we had our baby in January. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful it was before all this because the hospital was so full that day, like moms were having to wait in the hallway and stuff and i'm not even joking Mm. and i just wonder like if they had to deal with that with corona Mm -hmm. virus going on like that would have been crazy Mm -hmm. anyway fourth of july was over the weekend yeah ma'am dawson his first fourth well second second first this was his first so he was like what two weeks old yeah he wasn't that old so his Really, his first Fourth yeah, yeah. of July. How did he like the fireworks? Uh, we were sitting a little close at first, and he started to cry. Um, but we moved back, and he loved them. He really liked them further back, where they weren't as noisy. But he actually stayed up late enough yeah, to watch. Yeah, he stayed up. He, um, we actually we were at a friend's house, and they have a really long driveway. And he stayed up, but he didn't make it to the road. He fell asleep like while we were driving oh, on the driveway. Nice. <laughs> yeah, well, my kids love the fireworks. Um, Rhett. He is almost six months, um, but he, I guess, there there was a time or two uh, we were uh, watching a few like of those, the smaller fireworks mm-hmm. with my family yesterday, and um, there were ones that were kind of loud and whistling and all that, and so he got scared on a couple of them. For the most part, he liked them, um, but Jack, uh, he's seven now, so he's like really into it, and you have to like try to keep him back from them. Yeah. But uh, we let him light some smoke bombs and stuff like that yesterday. So, so I don't know, and we're going to get done with small talk here in a minute. I don't know if we should share this, but uh, oh, we can. It was on Facebook. We were at a party together on July 4th, and I actually, when me and you were sitting together, and then Dawson got scared, so we moved to the back, and I was actually close to Jack. I don't know which was more fun, watching him watch the fireworks or watch the fireworks. He was, like, loving it. Oh, yeah. At one point, he screamed, like, this is greater than the hot rods. <laughs> <laughs> well, I so... Yeah, I'm kind of like you. So our uh, two-year-old, she was kind of sitting behind me, and I kept, like, looking back to see her reaction just yeah. to see uh, how she was enjoying it. Because I think there are certain things, like, when you're younger or certain times in your life where you really enjoy things. Mm-hmm. And then part of being a parent is, like, your enjoyment is found in your kids enjoying things. Yeah. Like Christmas, for instance. You know, I of course I love Christmas, but I love even more just watching the kids' enjoyment. And things like the the fireworks and things, I, I think, <laughs> added to at that. At one time, Jack had to go to the bathroom, and he's like, I'm not going. I don't want to miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. It was. It was pretty cool. So talking about uh, 4th of July. Yeah. You preached yesterday. Yeah. Gave me a little uh, Sunday off there. Yeah, you stayed up a little too late watching fireworks. Yeah, exactly. I answered, I answered the call. <laughs> <laughs> well, so we had this planned, I guess, for, for a month or so for you to fill yeah. in there. And... Uh, the 
passage that uh, in our exposition there through Philippians ended up being Philippians four ten through thirteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, for a lot of folks, Philippians four thirteen is a a passage that many people know. I can do all things uh, through Christ who gives me strength. Um, but you were talking about how um, all of that kind of ba- look back toward the idea of contentment mm-hmm. and how really he's not talking about I can do all all things like anything I want to do through Christ, I'm going to be able to do it. Like if I just put my mind to it and put Christ to it, I can do it. Mm-hmm. But it was more of an idea of, of contentment. Yeah. Um, I heard somebody talk to me uh, a week ago, a couple weeks ago, share with me uh, a good kind of way to explain this. I thought it was great. It was mostly they, they said I can not – they didn't say I could do all things. They said I can endure all things mm-hmm. through Christ who gives me strength. And I think that's a and, and what you, you tried heard that to bring a couple out. weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You didn't share that with me. Well, I wanted it to be really... your sermon. Though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, your points were that uh, the secret of contentment uh, is learned. Yep. Is it secret or secrets? It's just secret. secret. There's secret, one yeah. secret. And let me say this. Uh, I told you earlier today, it, I really should have start, titled it this, the, the secret of being content, because that's exactly the words that Paul uses. So do uses. you want me to say that? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, the secret of being content there you go. is learn, uh, meaning that it doesn't just come to us yeah. automatically. It's a process. We have to learn these things. Um, the secret of being content is independent of our circumstances, mm-hmm. meaning that we can be content no matter our circumstances, that our circumstances don't dictate our contentment. Our contentment dictates our response to our circumstances. And then finally, on the third one, you give us the secret of being content is Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so that uh, I told you, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed the message. I thought that, uh, these three points especially were right on with the passage. And so many times you hear, like I said, Philippians 4.13 taken out of context. And I actually, I thought it was pretty incredible that you had a real life story of the dunk thing that you told. <laughs> so just tell the story again in case. Yeah, so this kid, he uh, he said, hey, I can dunk this basketball. He said, uh, <laughs> we're like, dude, how old were you, by the like way? Like 10 or 12. Okay. And he was like, dude, you cannot dunk that basketball. And he's like, yeah, I can. And so he just shouted, my God says I can. <laughs> and we're like, what? Philippians 4.13, I can do it. And boom, hit the pole. <laughs> so you learned very early on the importance of context. Yeah, man. That, well, like I said, seriously, the important context. What if a non-believer would have been there? They'd have been like, all right, not following that God. Like, yeah. forget that guy. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important for us to remember, that's not a bad thing to say. That's not a bad verse to quote. Right. I didn't say that message yesterday to say, hey, quit quoting this verse. I think it's a great thing to quote. I think it's great that our football team here in Allen County quotes it. But when you quote it, know what you're quoting. Yeah, I mean, just have an understanding of what it means when you're quoting yeah. it. And the idea of, yeah, we can do or endure or we can go through anything if Christ is where our contentment is based. Mm-hmm. So uh, that being said, just a couple of thoughts to discuss and Well, I want to say one today. thing yeah. because some of our listeners might not know. Uh, when I do say the the secret of contentment or the secret of being content is is learned, I actually had somebody hand me a note after the service yesterday, and I want to read this scripture. Um, it's Isaiah chapter one verse seventeen, and it says, "Learn to do what is good, pursue justice, correct the opposer, defend the rights of the fatherless, 
plead the widow's cause. And right there is talking about, man, l- listen again, learn to do what is good and pursue justice. It's a pursuit, man. Mm-hmm. We're not going to finish until one day when we meet Jesus. And it's the same thing with contentment. You got to learn to do it. You got to pursue it. You can't, it's not just one thing you get and then you're done with it. Yeah. And I think that even still like just, and remembering that walking away from this, knowing contentment uh, is found in Jesus you know, yeah, you've learned that, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean, oh, I've learned it and now I have it. Yeah. Like the learning is more about real life experiences. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like whenever you walk out of a college class and you're like, okay, I finished that course. Now I'm a pro at whatever it was. No, you're <laughs> yeah. not. Now you've yeah. got the tools to be able to practice, to actually grow yourself, to mm-hmm. be, you know. Now's your starting point. Yeah. And so many people, exactly. So many people like with college courses, and I did that early on in college, I thought, Okay, I've taken a class. Now I'm a master at this. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you really just have the tools to become a master mm-hmm. of whatever yeah. it is. And the same is true. Like when you learn that Jesus is where you find your contentment, okay, now you have the tools to be able through the power of the Holy Spirit to live out mm-hmm. that contentment where you know it should be, but now you got to practice it. Now you got to pursue it, like mm-hmm. you said. So, yeah. and thinking about that, um, I, I tried to think about, and, and we know that most people, when you think of discontentment, I would say, and it might be a generalization to say most people think about finances, but that is probably one place that we land a lot of times when we think about um, discontentment um, and, and being rooted in our finances. But what else do you think outside of that maybe can cause some discontentment in people's lives? Like if if, if there's somebody listening today that says, you know, to be honest, I don't have a lot of money. I, I'm not one who's rich. I don't even care about money mm-hmm. that much. Yeah. Can I still have discontentment if I don't care about money that much? Yes, and I think the answer is absolutely yes, and I think there's um, one big reason, and it's kind of a uh, deep theological reason, but it's not that deep at all. It's that we have a hole in us that is craving something to satisfy it, and that satisfaction is Jesus. And so if you don't care about money, then that then money isn't going to fill that hole uh, or money, it's not going to feel that it's empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for you, I mean, I think you can be discontent in uh, with your family. Um, I think you can be discontent with your marriage. Um, and in some ways, there's there's a good and bad, and we're going to talk about this, but I think you can, if, if all you're invested in and all you care about is one other person and it's your wife, and I think you can become discontent in that yeah. if you don't have Jesus. I've heard people, like, just in general in my life, like, and I've moved around a little bit, but it's not like in everywhere I've lived, there will be certain people who are like, man, I hate this place. Yeah, I just yeah, want to get out of here. discontent you know? with where you live. And like, I mean, even stuff like that, like just discontent with that, discontent mm-hmm. with, uh, and so obviously, you know, there seems to be like a separation of maybe some things that you can be discontent in like some things that you feel like you can't control or you can control, like, mm-hmm. for instance, your finances or your job or things that you're like, okay, I can change this. Mm-hmm. But if you feel trapped in certain circumstances, there are things that you can feel discontent in uh, that you feel like, oh, I can't change any of this, mm-hmm. but I'm like discontent in it all the time. Yeah. And uh, we were talking about that a little bit before, and I just think about Paul, you know, in his circumstance in writing here, he's talking about contentment. Here he is in a, you know, imprisoned, he can't change his circumstances. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, there's nothing other than maybe if he denounced Christ or something, he could do it, but, um, but he was still content in the middle of that. Well, I think too, when you think about that, um, 
you know, like you said, you can be discontent in certain circumstances that maybe you've even created or, or some things that you can't change. But uh, point number two was that your contentment is independent of your circumstances, and that's because your circumstances change. Whether you can change them or not, they will probably change. Mm-hmm. Um, but when your contentment is found in Jesus Christ, I think the reason, uh, and, and, you know, when we read the Bible, it's not just like reading a book for dummies that we should just believe. There's reason behind things. And when we when we have contentment in Christ, it is true contentment because that never changes. That doesn't change. He doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Um, the outcome in the end for us who are believers does not change. That circumstance does not change, and that's why we can find true contentment in that, Yeah. in him. Well, and I, I love that idea because it's the idea, like, if we are kingdom-minded and setting our our minds and sights, as, as Paul's talked about even in the book of Philippians, setting our sights not on this world but on being citizens of heaven and what that looks like, we realize that anything that happens to us is just temporary. Mm-hmm. Our circumstances, the things that we're discontent in, even if we have to live this whole life in the midst of those circumstances, it's temporary when it comes to the idea of eternal uh, eternal life in Christ mm-hmm. and being with him forever. Um, so that's awesome, and, and I think that's an important thing to remember, um, that when Jesus is our contentment, when we're content in him, that is the one unchanging thing mm-hmm. from now to the end of eternity, and that's one thing that we can rest in. Uh, so let's say that somebody uh, is maybe career-minded. Um, perhaps they have the idea of like, um, you know, I, I thought I wanted to be in this job, but, you know, now I'm not really happy with it. I'm going to go back to school and try to learn a new career so I can take a new path. Or um, maybe the idea of, you know, if I perhaps, like, increased my education, that I could advance myself in my career than I am now, maybe get a pay raise, maybe, um, you know, have a higher position, whatever that may be. Um is it possible to be content and still have aspirations maybe in your career and other things that you are pursuing and, and chasing after to, to get maybe a degree or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we could say a lot of things here, and I think we're just going to speak in general terms here because for each person it's different. Um, I think we talked about the will of God a couple weeks ago. Um, but one thing I'll say is when we talk about this, um, Paul is in prison when he writes this. As we talked about yesterday, Paul had been stoned. Paul had been in prison. But also, Paul tells us that he knows um, how to make do with a lot. He's not saying here, hey, don't do not do those things. Yeah. He says just be con- find your contentment in Jesus, not in those things. When you read that uh, yesterday, it made me think about the time. So, in thinking about the time that Paul had a lot was probably before he met Christ. Mm. Like when he was, you know, in charge and and seeing all these Christians killed. Mm-hmm. I bet, because, and that just made me think of that. Like, when did Paul have a lot? And I think it might have been before he came to Christ. It could have been. It could have been what he was talking about there. But also, I think, obviously, you know, churches had given to him and helped support him and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And and really, to well, be and honest. Well, even, even here, he literally got something. I mean, he had yeah. something. And to be honest, the term a lot is relative to yeah. who's thinking, you know, mm-hmm. one person might think it's a lot and one person might not. But. Well, and <laughs> he spoke, we read from yesterday from when he was writing the church in Corinth. Uh, he said he was hungry and homeless. Like, he may think a lot is a home. Yeah, like, He might exactly. be like, I don't know how to yeah. deal with a home. Um, but anyway, um, I don't think those things are bad. 
uh, in a sense. Um, we did actually um, a Zoom Bible study that many of you um, may have been a part of or may have been on where we talked about God and possessions and what does he say and what should we do with our possessions. And I love Matthew 6.21 when we talked about that. And uh, I'm just going to read it. It says, For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And we use this this passage that Jesus was talking about, how having those aspirations aren't bad. Having having um, having things isn't necessarily bad. What becomes a problem is when that degree or that job or that career path becomes the number one motivator of your contentment. Hey, I'm only finding contentment in this job. Um, if it went away, who knows what life would look like. Um, I think that's when our aspirations can kind of become, or not, not just kind of, they can become sinful, mm-hmm. um, and it can become a bad uh, trail to go down. Um, so we always want to keep that in perspective. Is our contentment totally found in this job? Is our contentment, are we working harder and harder to make ourselves more content? Or are we working harder and harder because we see that's the work ethic that the Lord wants us to have? Mm-hmm. Are we working harder and harder because... I know Paul writes in one book over in Colossians that, you know, we should work as if we're working for the Lord and working for the kingdom and everything that we do. And so is that why we're working? Is that yeah. why we're going back to get that degree is to work harder for him for him, and to not be lazy? Mm-hmm. Or are we doing that to, A, satisfy ourselves? Maybe money is not even a factor. We just want to satisfy ourselves with a better job. Mm-hmm. We just want to make ourselves feel better and feel prouder to have a better degree. Um, and so I think there's a very personal aspect of that that you have to view yourself and ask yourself, mm-hmm. why am I doing this? Yeah, I mean, I— to be honest, I mean, I'm one of those type of people that, uh, and I've told, told folks, you know, I'm still in school today and I've, and it was weird. I was thinking about the other day, since I've been in kindergarten, there have only been three years of my life that I haven't been in school full time. Um, and in thinking about that, you know, you could, you have to constantly gauge, okay, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Why am I, why am I getting trained in this way? My philosophy has always been, I'm going to get the training on, and, and again, I'm coming at this from a ministry perspective, but my philosophy has always been, I'm going to get the training I need to do the job that God has called me to do. Uh, and that's, that's what I'm going to do. And so once I reach that point, then I do that job and I work hard. And it was like, that's the reason I stopped going to school for three years because I felt like I had been trained in, in children's ministry to do that job and to do what I needed to do well. But then, um, and I, I really, like I said, the, the calling that God has placed on my life as far as uh, in ministry, I know that, that that calling has been will be consistent throughout my whole life that I'm called to ministry. How that looks and what that ministry looks like might be different through different seasons of my life. So uh, in 2016 is whenever I felt the Lord uh, leading me and placing in my heart the pursuit of pastoral ministry. And I knew that I was not trained to do that. And I couldn't do that. Like I could I could probably do it okay, Mm -hmm. but I knew that some additional training would be very helpful to do it well. And so that's where I started going back to school and I'm still going now um, to get more training. But I think for all of us, you know, even outside of ministry, you know, if you're working like uh, say as a teacher or as somebody like you want to be able to do your job well. And so regular training, regular, like all that stuff is good. You want to be able to do your job well, but it's just a regular assessing of your your internal struggles. Like, why am I doing this? Is just just feeding my pride? Is it uh, so that way I can 
maybe have those things that I think might make me happy besides Jesus. And I can buy those things mm-hmm. that'll finally make me happy. And, and it's not to say that those things are necessarily wrong to have, but what probably needs to happen is, okay, first I'm going to stop and I'm going to place my contentment in Jesus. I'm going to make sure it's rooted there before I continue to go down this path of mm-hmm. trying to satisfy what I'm really craving, what I'm really desiring. And so again, that, I think you're right. That that comes back to a personal assessment, but I don't think it's a one and done assessment. No. And so that leads me to my next question. Well, is, let me let me say because yep. I wanted to say this. Here's some. That was uh, a perfect segue too, man. You just <laughs> it. I'm sorry, but you, and I think this will be helpful. And you may be able to come up with some too. And and I know you're asking the questions, but what are some good assessment questions you can ask yourself? When you're doing that, and so I'm just going to. So give this a few. goes. This goes to the next question. Oh, it does. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How can we regularly gauge oh, our yeah, contentment? Yeah. Okay. We usually <laughs> go over the questions, and I forgot about that one, so I'm sorry. So that um, that this would answer or be part of the answer <laughs> to this one. So yeah. how can we, when we ha- when we know this isn't a one and done thing mm-hmm. of gauging our assessment, how do we regularly do that? Man, I totally stomped. Can we just edit that part out? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I would say to ask yourself some questions. Number one, like GJ said, why am I doing this? Am I trying to fill a void that only Jesus can fill? Um, is Jesus really where I'm rooted or is it my job? Um, so that's one question I would ask when you're trying to think about contentment. Is is Jesus really where I'm rooted right now or is it where I'm discontent? Um, is my family where I'm rooted? Is my wallet where I'm rooted? Um, is my job where I'm rooted? Another thing I would ask is, um, is whatever is whatever that's causing me discontent, if I have that, will it cause me to engage in any sinful behavior? So, for instance, let's say uh, your job. Um, will, will getting this promotion cause me to partake in any sinful behavior, such as, uh, spending less time with my family, like like putting my family second. I won't say spending less time, but putting my family second, putting the Lord second. Um, will this job lead to the amount of money that will lead to lack of trust in God? Um, will this, well, if I have this family situation that I've been praying to be mended, um, if I have that, Will it lead to lack of trust and lack of dependency on the Lord? Will it, will it put another God above God? Mm-hmm. And so I think those are important questions to ask and really think about. If I get what I've been longing for and what I'm discontent to have, if I get it, will it lead to sinful behavior? Well, and I think, so the, on a couple of those, I would say, like, for instance, if you have, let's say that you and, and your wife are arguing all the time, you're just like, man, I'm not content in this situation. Mm-hmm. But if you assess it and say, okay, now if, if we stop arguing all the time and I'm more content in my marriage because of that, is that wrong? Obviously mm-hmm. not because mm-hmm. we know that that the Lord wants us to, to you know, have godly yeah. marriages yeah. and things like that. But I think it, it what you're saying is to make sure your contentment is rooted in Christ and that once this issue, whatever it might be, might be solved or whatever – that then you're going to just continue placing, you know, your discontent somewhere else and somewhere mm-hmm. else after that. And, and in finding your contentment in Christ, that is really how you can find contentment in all the other mm-hmm. circumstances. Yeah. Um, 
and really in finding your contentment in Christ and pursuing your relationship with Christ, probably in some ways like family, marriage, or whatever, will cause you to view that through a different lens and will help heal some of these mm-hmm. relationships and and will solve maybe your, uh, perhaps your low work ethic or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. I mean, um, but as you said, keep coming back to the idea of being learned. It's not going to fix itself overnight. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a constant process. Um, one of the passages we were talking about um, just before we started here, 1 Timothy 6, beginning in verse 17, Paul's writing to Timothy, uh, who was a young pastor uh, at the time. And here's listen to the, these instructions. He says, uh, again, this is 1 Timothy 6, 17. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth. And I think that's what you were talking about there. Like, don't don't set our hope or our dependency on anything of this world, whether it be wealth or our relationships or whatever, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. And I love that word, how that contrasts between being rich of the world and rich in, in God, who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them talking about those who are rich, to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. And I think all of us really, no matter what our financial circumstances are today, most people if you're able to listen to this podcast, watch this podcast on some sort of device or whatever, you are probably richer in many ways than some mm. people are. And I think this application would apply to all of us. Instruct those who are rich in the present age to not be arrogant or set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but instead do what's good to be rich in good works, be generous and willing to share, storing up treasure for themselves as good foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of what is truly life. And I think so many of those things are good gauges of contentment. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, am I putting my trust in my riches or am I being rich in good works? Am I generous and willing to share? These are good questions to ask yourself. Am I storing up treasure in heaven? for myself? Am I really depending on God where my true source of life is, or is my dependency on what I'm maybe trying to find contentment in? And I love what Paul said here, the uncertainty of wealth, because mm-hmm. it is, it's so, it fluctuates so much. Have you seen the stock market lately? <laughs> I don't look. <laughs> I can't. Like, here, here's my thing. You're I know, right about I, I'm, We're not going to go on a soapbox, but I, I'm 28, man. Yeah. I'll look in 20 years when I'm closer. Well, right now, it really doesn't you matter. Know, you know for folks, and I know even folks who have retired, like, in the middle of this, like, in the last two or oh, three yeah. months, who have retired. And you know that has to be a question, but it should be, it should give such hope to know that our dependency is totally, or it should be totally on God, and God's the one who takes care of those needs. Now, again, our situation in life might not look exactly how we want it to, but if our contentment is found in Jesus, that won't matter. Um, because it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. Everything in life changes. He and that's what not. truly, that is what is truly life, Yeah, as Paul talks about. Um, I appreciate this, um, this message. For me personally, uh, you know that 
we're in a D group together. That is one of the things that I've asked you guys to ask me every week is how is how are you doing with contentment? Um, because I know for me that's something I struggle with, and it's not necessarily financial contentment, just contentment just in general. Like I'm the type of person that kind of going back to that aspiration, like I'm, I've always got not necessarily personal aspirations, which I do, but I've always got like a drive to do something like for instance, the church, I want us to be moving and doing Mm -hmm. and accomplishing work. And, uh, for me personally in ministry, I want to be moving and accomplishing stuff for the Lord. And, and if I'm, if I'm just sitting still and, and becoming complacent, uh, I think, um, I feel weird about that, but I think too, we have to remember there's a difference between complacency and, um, and contentment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so for you guys asking me that question, and again, for all of us asking that question, am I truly content? It's not really about a, a thought of like stop and hammer on the brakes and don't do anything and just coast. It's more about why are you doing what you do? Um, I, I love how Paul sets this up for next week. <laughs> Paul didn't set it up for next week. <laughs> Paul set this up for the next person. I, I was thinking about this when you were talking about that. Um, sometimes this, and, and Paul set this up perfectly. When we're content, we're thankful. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when, like you said, it's no, no, it's not bad to have aspirations and wanting the church to be moving forward. But right now we're in a period where we kind of just need to be thankful mm-hmm. for where we are yeah. and God's using that. And we keep doing the ministry we can. Yeah. But realize there's some stuff that we can't do right now, mm-hmm. but we minister how we can yeah. and do what we can with, with the situation we're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, you're right about that. I think for me, and I'll just uh, kind of close with one example. You can add after this if you have anything else to add. But um, for me, there was a time like that, uh, and, and it just probably two months ago, it came back up. I was looking through some old uh, emails that I'd sent. I had a uh, blog that I was writing on children's ministry. And the reason I started it is kind of as a uh, twofold. One is like an online kind of journal to w- when I had come up with ideas to journal it and to put it out there so I could remember it and that kind of thing. But secondly, to help other people uh, who wanted ideas. So I started a blog. After a while, that blog kind of morphed to uh, something a little bit bigger than what I had originally thought it to be. And I was getting more traffic and I started to... Uh, make enough money to basically pay for the blog and then have a little bit extra on top of that. It wasn't a whole lot at all. Um, but it was at a certain point in the middle of that, that I found my, found myself like, you know, from a ministry angle, like posting and doing all like the desire that I started with this blog that I did, like my circumstances had fully changed and it had morphed to become more of a business than a ministry. Like I was more focused on, can I sell another ad here or, or, or perhaps gain personal networking notoriety in another way? And so I just stumbled upon an email a couple of months ago that I wrote written probably 10 years ago or, or so uh, about the time I was doing this blog, um, maybe eight years ago. And I, where I had just charged somebody to place an ad on this blog, like two or three days later, I guess I had, had taken time to assess contentment and I emailed them back and I was like, Hey, I'm going to give you your money back. This has become something that it shouldn't been in my life. And I need to rid myself of this. Now I say all that to say, and you're probably thinking, wow, what a turning point in GJ's life for him to real. But like, even today, I still have my D group ask me about Mm -hmm. contentment because I know like 
it's something that I'm constantly learning. And there are times that in different ways, not in the same way all the time, but in different ways, contentment can pop up or discontentment can pop up in my life. And it's just good to have a constant assessment of that and trying to learn as I go, what areas am I discontent and where do I need to improve? Final Dude, thoughts? I, uh, I appreciate you letting me uh, preach yesterday. I enjoy it. It was a really good passage to study and preach. I thought you were going to say it was a really good sermon. I was oh, it like, was. Okay, <laughs> humility is coming next. <laughs> <and> I, <was. laughs> I mean, if I was, I'd give it 10 out of 10. But <laughs> no, seriously, it was it was a really good passage to study um, and, and really a good one to, to preach. I liked it. Yeah, well, I, uh, I enjoy having somebody uh, on staff who uh, likes to preach and willing to do that. I know we're all gifted in different ways. Um, and so but it's, it's good to have somebody to step in my shoes. When we were coming back time. from lunch today, you said you were going to tell me all the good things I did in my sermon. You just want to say that on the air? No, I'm just kidding. I'll just, I'm I'll just, just pass kidding. on that. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> I, uh, I mean, I could. It'd probably take about 10 seconds, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right, man. We'll see y'all next week. This has been a presentation of Come to Him Ministries. We thank you for listening and hope you have been blessed. Come to Him is the teaching and preaching ministry of G.J. Farmer. For more resources that will help strengthen your faith, visit cometohim.org.